We were talking to Roger about who he would choose to go 80 yards down by six with a minute to play. Roger, I'm putting you on the spot. Who would it be? Well, I like the ball in my hands because I, you know, I don't want to have someone else do it. But you, 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 you want to leave me out? I don't, I'm going to leave you I, out. I don't want to be bright. <laughs> I don't want to talk about myself, but you'd have to say that you'd be lucky to have uh, uh, an Aikman, a Favre, a Young, or a uh, or a Marino as far as quarterbacks that are playing today. And but then you have to look at the, you know, an Elway, and and uh, those guys can do it today. Any of them. Well, I, I have, and I think that's the way I play. And, and um, if you look at the offenses that, that are around the league that uh, are so-called the West Coast, you look at Steve Young. Steve Young is is putting up phenomenal numbers right now, but Steve, unlike myself, is more of a, a conservative passer. And I've always been kind of an attack type of guy. And, and regardless of the situation, I'm still going to take a shot uh, because that is what has gotten us to where we are right now offensively. You know, I, I broke it in the in the Dallas game, snapped the uh, the fibula, and so you know it was it was kind of painful. It was kind of painful that uh, you know I, I was I was still capable of uh, playing in the game, but I felt like it was my it was my responsibility as captain to uh, to try to you know help us win that ball game, and we we'd worked so hard for so many years to to get to this place because we'd been in the playoffs. I tried to make it go. You know how how good am I, uh, or how how good can I be, or or how good of a father am I, how good of a role model am I? How, and if and if you answer those questions correctly, and you search out the right mentors to get those answers, I've been able to travel the world, been able to meet amazing people. Uh, I get to see how to do it, how not to do it. I got to make great mistakes, uh, and I got to make great triumphs. It's just been it's been a fun fun ride, and I'm still continuing life after four. to the Roman Gabriel Show. It's a Roman Gabriel Show throwback with host Roman Gabriel. Roman goes up close and personal with high-impact difference makers from the world of sports and entertainment. Get more exclusive content at romangabrielshow.com. Now, here's your host, Roman Gabriel. It's a Pro Football Hall of Fame special. You're really going to enjoy this conversation. My guest is one of the great quarterbacks of all time. 1963 Heisman Trophy winner from Navy, a two-time Super Bowl champion and Super Bowl MVP, named by the Sporting News as one of the top 100 greatest football players of all time. The quarterback of America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Captain America, Captain Comeback, Roger the Dodger. He's Roger Staubach. Roger Staubach is our very special guest tonight. What more can I say? Six NFC Championship games, two Super Bowl victories. He was inducted to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1985. But what I liked about him was his tenacity coming out of the Naval Academy. 23 times a comeback for the Cowboys, 14 times in the last two minutes. He was the guy who stirred the drink, as they say, in Dallas when it came to getting the job done in big games. Well, it's great talking to you, Roman. Okay, Roger, you played for some great Dallas Cowboy teams. Uh, as you said, this is no different. They have the nucleus of stars, of course, the long contracts with Deion Sanders and with uh, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, Troy Aikman. Troy went through some tough times uh, with the Cowboys early on, one win season as a rookie. 
Can you kind of get a feel for his deal? Because when you came in from the Naval Academy, there was a struggle for a year or so until you got the feel for the game. Uh, tell me about Aikman and about his progress since you've seen him. Well, I think it's really tough for a quarterback to come in and be thrown into a, into a, a tough situation, any quarterback, and it, it really becomes a, a you know a mental situation. And you know, he Shuler was thrown in at Washington in a tough situation, and he's a very he's a good quarterback, and he's going to get his chance now with the Saints to start over again. Aikman came in the same way, and and Aikman's just a really a tough guy mentally. I mean, he's the kind of guy that if he tells you he's going to do something, he's going to do it. He's just a He's just an all-around uh, top person and and uh, a very tough player. And he fought through those those uh, those tough times and he hung in there and he had the ability. It's just that mentally he just uh, kept kept fighting and uh, and staying with it and became uh, as good a, a championship quarterback that's ever played the game. He's he's won three world championships. He's been almost perfect in those those uh, those drives to the uh, Super Bowl. So. He's just—he's tough mentally, but physically he's really gifted. He's big, he's strong, he throws with tremendous accuracy, and uh, uh, and a lot of velocity for for uh, for a quarterback to have the accuracy and the velocity. You can put some ball in some tight situations. So Aikman can do it all, and uh, he's the he's the catalyst. Well, you know, it's interesting, Roger. A lot of people, of course, talk about statistics, and when they talk about who will go down as one of the great quarterbacks. Of- Time. It's incredible to me that uh, you know Aikman with the three Super Bowl wins sometimes doesn't get the credit for being the individual player he is. I mean, when you got a running back like Emmitt Smith, obviously you're not going to be throwing the ball all the time. But uh, the talk is a lot about Dan Marino and Elway and these guys that put up the big, big numbers. But they have no rings, and he's got three. And you are the same type of guy, a team player. Although you hold a lot of Cowboy records, the bottom line is stats may not have meant that much to him as they don't uh, meant to you. You know what I mean? Well, stats are, you know, they're important when you look at them, in, you know, properly. When you look at them in just gross yardage and and uh, and in touchdown passes, uh, it's it that doesn't always tell the story. It's getting the ball in the end zone. It's it's performing when when the when the uh, the, the situation's critical. And Aikman, if if the Cowboys don't have Aikman, they're they're not Super Bowl. Uh, they're not a Super Bowl team in the '90s. He's He's really the guy that that they needed to 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 uh, to rally around, and of course, adding Emmett Smith was a big deal, and and he's helped a great deal, and he's a he's one of the great running backs of all time. And you start, you know, the NFL, you want to rely on the run, you want to you want to especially have a big line, but it still comes down to quarterback making the third down plays, getting in, getting the team into the playoffs, not making mistakes, not throwing the interceptions. And just being a leader, and Aikman is 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 the best quarterback in the NFL. If you want to take a team, all things being equal, whether it's Steve Young, whether it's Marino, whether it's Elway, uh, I'm going to take Aikman every game. I wanted to give the fans out there a little feel for you know a guy like you, great tenacity, tremendous when the ball, when the ball game was on the line, a big winner. Just a couple comments as I throw out some big names, some guys that you played around and played with, and also uh, some of the guys from now that are big names. Dan Marino. Well, Marino is going to be looked at as is one of the uh, the greatest quarterbacks that's ever played the game because he's he, he he's just he's had so much uh, uh, you know ability to to he, he gets the ball into tight situations. He's got the quick release. He's kind of the stereotype uh, drop back passer, and he's a he's a winner. Dan is the only thing you know he wants that that Super Bowl, but. You still have to have the players around you to get there, but Marino will be go, will go down as is is one of the great quarterbacks that's ever played the game, and he'll probably have all the records. Okay, a guy that did, has not had much success in the Super Bowl, maybe without the team around him, John Elway. 
Well, Elway is. I'm. I'm. I'm a big Elway fan. He. He. He, he gets. The, he gets the job done. He gets. Uh, he wins the big games. He makes the. He. He makes the comebacks. And he took three teams, three Denver teams, to Super Bowls that really didn't have the the the, the overall strength uh, uh, against the teams they played in the Super Bowl. Elway. I think has been the difference for them to be at such a high level. Now they're starting to get, he's starting to surround himself with good players. And, you know, last year I really thought that Denver would go to the Super Bowl. They had a, Jacksonville had a perfect game against them, but Elway is uh, a magnificent quarterback. Okay, a guy similar to you, Roger, who had a tremendous system and great people around him, but really made it happen when it counted in big games, Joe Montana. Well, Montana is uh, is the consummate uh, guy that, uh, is, as far as winning Super Bowls and, and just having that 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 making great decisions. I mean, if you look at the games Montana played, and he he just knew what to do with the ball. He he had a system there that he he just perfected because if if he was throwing the ball to Brett Jones, uh, you know, it looked easy. But he had made a decision that he couldn't throw it to Rice or he couldn't throw it to uh, to somebody else. And uh, he just made, Montana just made great decisions, and he's very athletic. People don't realize that Joe Joe Montana is so athletic. He's uh, he, he can got a tremendous vertical leap he moves well and uh, you know you know people pattern themselves after Montana as far as uh, quarterbacking okay a guy you saw late in your career actually played against in your first Super Bowl which was a loss to the Colts Johnny Unitas well you, you know you're asking me now about the best so I, I'm, I can't uh, you know just to go on these are the guy these are the people at the at the top of the heap and Johnny Unitas is the guy that I followed when I was a, when I was at the Naval Academy and I can still see him throwing passes to Raymond Barry and uh into Jimmy Orr into the corner of the end zone or uh I mean he just he just did it time and time again and I think still he has the record for most touchdown passes uh uh in consecutive games. So Johnny U was was the Johnny U and Otto Graham and uh, and Bart Starr were guys that I kinda looked up to when I was uh when I was growing up and you know, your dad was uh was uh was one fantastic quarterback with the Rams. And I remember when he beat us with the with the Eagles a few times too. So Roman was really one of the one of the kind of the the the, uh, the big guy like they are today. I mean, back then we Montana or myself, we weren't. And I'm six three, about one ninety five. But you know, with your dad was a big guy as as, as Bradshaw was and uh, right. Aikman and uh, the quarterbacks are bigger. But your dad was one of the first big successful uh, great quarterbacks. And of course, yeah. when we went to break, we were talking to Roger about who he would choose to go 80 yards down by six with a minute to play. Roger, I'm putting you on the spot. Who would it be? Well, I like the ball in my hands because I, you know, I don't want to <laughs> have someone else do it. But you, 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 you want to leave me out? I don't, I'm going to leave you I, out. I don't want to be. Bright. <laughs> I don't talk about myself, but to, to uh, that, I, I would. Uh, I, you'd, you'd have to say that you'd be lucky to have uh, an Aikman, a Favre, a Young, or a. Uh, or a Marino, as far as quarterbacks that are playing today, and but then you have to look at the, you know, an Elway, and and uh, those guys can do it today. Any of them uh, get the ball in their hands, they can do it, and and uh, and of course, probably uh, Montana of, of all time uh, would be the kind of guy that uh, that he did it time and time again. So you couldn't go wrong with um, with the people we've talked about, from Ioannidis to Montana to these these these. The, the really great ones today that uh, I, I don't want, want to just pick one, but I, if I really picked one, the guy I just I just think a lot of Troy. I think Troy Aikman comes through when he has to come through. He's won three three world championships. He's taken him to the to the brink a, a few other times. So 
we're just lucky in Dallas to have the best here. You know, Roger, I almost think even though you won the two with Miami and Denver, that those two teams that played against Pittsburgh might have been your two best teams. Well, the, the 75 team was, we were a young team. We were a team that we, we really, get, we got the Super Bowl as a wild card team. We won big games. We had the Hail Mary pass that year. So we, we were, I think, a little bit overachievers that year. And we, we played Pittsburgh a great game. And, it, you know, we, we, had a, we had a shot at the end. But the team that we, uh, we had after we beat Denver the next year, we had, uh, we had another year of Tony Hill. We had Tony Dorsett, Preston Pearson coming out of the backfield. We had Drew Pearson offensively we, we we were a great team we'd won eight in a row going in the super bowl and pittsburgh was a great team they'd they'd come off of a rough year the year before some injuries and it, i think it's two of the best teams that ever played in a super bowl against each other because we had it all offensively with we had a door set and and defensively we were strong and so was pittsburgh and uh you know that's the game i think that is the most disappointing uh, for me because I think we could have won that game. We had we had the we had some breaks that went against us, and you can't have that against a great team like Pittsburgh. And and they made some plays when they had to. So they beat us thirty-five to thirty-one in a game that I think we had the best team that Dallas has uh, has had during during the, the time I played. We we just had it all offensively and and defensively and. It just so happened we had we played against a great football team in, in the Steelers. Now, Roger, it gets volleyed about people talk about the greatest teams ever. Of course, the Vince Lombardi Packer teams, some of your Cowboy clubs. Uh, they talk about uh, the pre-Super Bowl teams, the United Baltimore teams, uh, you know, San Francisco and Montana, these Dallas teams of the 90s, uh, you know, you name it, a lot of great teams. If you had your choice when you were playing and could get a shot at one of these Super Bowl teams, uh, which one of these great clubs would you have liked to have played? Well, the the uh, I mean, the Dallas. I mean, you, you go on. I guess how many teams if you win Super Bowl? I mean, we we were always in the thick of it in the seventies. The NFC really only won a couple of Super Bowls, and and we were the team that won them. And uh, the AFC really with Pittsburgh and Oakland, Miami, they were hot. Now it's the NFC that's been hot for for a number of years. So Dallas is the talent that we had, especially. That team at the end, we had we had the speed, we had the receivers. You know, when you know when we're talking about Dorsett and Tony Hill and Drew Pearson and Billy Joe Dupree and Butch Johnson, man, we we could do everything. And I think that team could compete against anybody. And we played against, I think, the best team that was in football uh, that that they beat us, and that was the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you look across the the, the line with with Bradshaw and Stallworth and and Swan and and with Jack Lambert leading their defense. Uh, we would go against, and I think either those two teams could go against any any team that's ever played in the NFL, and it would be one heck of a game. So, uh, you know, you get in the 80s and you got the 49ers, but they they were playing some weaker teams from the AFC. But the 49ers were a great team also, and now in the 90s, the Cowboys with with Emmitt Smith and Aikman and and uh, Irvin and and the receivers and the defense they've had, these are all great teams, and uh, you can all put them in a pot and. And hopefully the computer game could tell us because we're not going to find out any other way. But I feel that our team with the speed and, and the things we had with uh, uh, towards the end of the 70s, we, we, we had a heck of a football team. It's a Roman Gabriel show throwback with host Roman Gabriel. Pro Football Hall of Famer. Three-time MVP, 95, 96, and 97. Super Bowl champion, named to the 100th anniversary all-time team, the 1990s all-decade team. This guy threw for 71,000 yards, 
and over 500 touchdowns in his 19-year career. This guy was Patrick Mahomes before there was Patrick Mahomes. Brett Favre, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Green Bay Packers on the Roman Gabriel Show. My very special guest, I tell you what, he's just simply... Uh, the best quarterback in the NFL today. Uh, three MVP awards, uh, Super Bowl award a couple years ago, and uh, a guy that I really admire uh, because he's a competitor every down. Doesn't matter what the ball game is, and uh, he definitely is the leader offensively for the Green Bay Packers and the guy who really gets it going for them. My very special guest uh, from the Green Bay Packers, quarterback Brett Favre. Brett, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, Roman. Thanks for having me. Hey, I appreciate you coming in. Brett, last year, as you said, Indianapolis was a wake-up call for the club, but uh, things have been a little different this year. Uh, one of the things uh, that's a reality about the NFL is losing free agents and uh, losing good players and trying to replace them, but uh, chemistry is a big deal in the 90s with the way people move around. How tough was it, Brett, uh, running wines without Dorsey Levens early in the season and then the injury to him in terms of uh, chemistry on offense? Well, we, we have struggled a little bit trying to find some chemistry. Uh, uh, this is the first time. In, in several years that we've had to kind of shuffle guys in and out at, at one of the most important positions, and that's your tailback. And and every as you know, every running back has something that he does a little bit different than the other guy, and what play works for him may not work for the other guy. So we've been trying to find out what works for our three guys. In terms of uh, what you do, and play, as playing a quarterback, uh, obviously everybody's watching. You're a guy who does a lot of quick reads with the West Coast offense and, and misdirection, and, and the, any, any advantage you can have after the snap is, is important, especially when they know that you're as dangerous as you are. Talk about those little things you do after you hand off the ball, the jump pass fake, uh, uh, carrying out your fakes, kind of like an option quarterback does when he gives it to a fullback. Uh, why do you do that, and, and do you think it has success? Well, I don't know if it has success, but if it works one time in a game, then, then that's good enough. That may be the play that, that wins it for us. And it's, it's kind of been something that's developed just from really in practice, joking around, trying to, to, to get the defense out of position, handing off one way and rolling out the other, kind of the things you did in college and high school. And I said, Why, heck, let's try it in, in pro and see if it works. And if you can hold a backside end or a backside linebacker by uh, one second, that may be the second that, that springs your, your running back. And it's really kind of developed into something fun. And I see other guys across the league doing it now. And, you know, when, when people have asked me where that kind of developed, it developed in practice when they goofed off. And, and Mike Holmgren was kind of like, that looks silly. But then now he's like, hey, it may work a little bit. There may be a little merit to that. So that's what I do. I'm, I'm always trying to, to, to confuse the defense and beat them. I want to be a step ahead of them at all times. You know, there's going to be times where they they win one, but I want to make sure we, we win a little bit more than they do. So any little edge I can get, I'm going to take advantage of. You know what's kind of scary, Brett, is, is I know that you don't want to be a, an actor or anything, but you've probably been on two of the most popular television commercials running these days, the old direct TV supermarket commercial which you cut, which everybody seems to enjoy. But the other one I wanted to ask you about was the John Randall commercial where he they sew up the jersey, put it on the chicken, and then he fries them up at the end. Now, he got a couple couple times to you last week. Uh, PETA came out and said, hey, this is a psychological bad deal for kids in terms of looking at chickens getting messed up and, and cooking a chicken. But uh, do you feel any psychological pressure out there after seeing that ad? <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell you, anytime you play a good defense or, or one player in particular – you always feel a little pressure. Um, I thought it was a great commercial. I laughed at it. I didn't see any anything wrong with it. I think John Randall's a heck of a player. I thought the concept behind it was was funny because yeah, he does chase around quarterbacks, including myself, 
like a chicken. I mean, we're running from him every snap. So, you know, I think people need to lighten up a little bit, just have a little fun with, with, with things like that. Finally, before you go, here's the um, – in terms of growing up, because I, I remember watching the NFL films deal that they did on you and several quarterbacks, Troy Aikman as well as Marcus Allen. I was intrigued by your relationship with your father and your brothers and the way you grew up uh, playing football and sports. Who, who was the guy, Brett, for you that, that you really emulated, that you said, hey, I want to be like that guy, quarterback, or somebody in football that said, hey, that, that, I'd like to do that? Well, I grew up close to, to New Orleans and was always a Saints fan, and the guy who I enjoyed watching all the time was Archie Manning. Unfortunately for him, he didn't play for a very good team and, and, uh, and, and never really won, but he did make tremendous plays. And to me, I thought that was amazing how one guy was kind of separated from the rest of his team. He made plays when no one else could. And I said, not that I want to be in that situation, but I want to be able to make plays when no one else can. And and so I watched him. And and uh, I think that there are times today when I make plays that are similar to what he did when he played. Guys today, Brett, that you have great respect for that are playing in the game today, quarterbacks? Well, I tell you what, every one of them I do have a lot of respect for, more more so than others, because it's hard. And uh uh, you know it. You play the position. It's hard to play, and there's, that's why there's only 30 now in this league who play. Uh, but obviously, Elway's 37 years old. Steve Young's 37 years old. Marino. Uh, all these guys are Warren Moon are veteran guys who have been around twice as long as I have, but continue to play at a level that is unmatched by a lot of these young guys. So um, you got to tip your hat to them because it's, it's hard getting beat up every week. But when you're 37, 38, or in Warren's case, 41 years old. Uh, Wade Wilson throws a pass yesterday for a touchdown. Uh, to me, uh, you know, that's what makes this this game great. The young guys, we know they can play it, but when the old guys can still do it at a high level, um, I have a lot of respect for them. Hey, Brad, you're not going to play until you're uh, 44 like DeBerg last night, are you? I hope not. <laughs> I say, but, you know, Steve, I think, is having a great time. Now he's just playing for the fun of it. I think he knows that, you know, Every play could be his last, and he's just having fun with it. And you know what? I'm all for him. If that's what he wants to do, great. But I don't think I can make it that far. You know, Brett, your maturation process was much different than a lot of these guys because you didn't come out as highly touted. Uh, you were brought along slowly by Mike Holmgren after the Atlanta situation and, and a team obviously around you when they brought Reggie in and, of course, the defense. But are we putting too much pressure on young quarterbacks today with the pressure to win, which I think a lot of that may have come from the success early of Jacksonville and Carolina and the kind of money these guys are receiving up front? Well, I, I, there's no question that uh, we're putting too much pressure on these guys. And I think um, what's happening is not so much the players' fault that he's receiving all the money he's receiving. I mean, it's great these guys get all this money. But the market has been kind of set that way, and you can't pay a guy $6 million, $7 million a year and have him sit on the bench. You know, you're, just, you're wasting your money. So uh, they're going to throw him out there and let him play. And what you're doing is kind of ruining their confidence at an early age, and it's going to take them years to regain that. Now, yeah, Jacksonville had some success early, but Mark Brunel was, was under uh, – under me for three years and he got a chance to learn and watch and he wasn't thrown to the wolves he enjoyed himself he, he found out how this game was played and then when he went to jacksonville he was ready i don't think these guys are ready and they won't be ready for several years and um when you're asking them to throw 30 times a game against quality defenses that are going to blitz you uh with all the pressure of the fans and as soon as you throw an interception to make a mistake they're going to boo you they're wondering why is this guy getting all this money and can't produce well it just doesn't happen 
So I think we are putting too much pressure in there. Will it change? I doubt it. everybody, this is Roman Gabriel, host of the Roman Gabriel Show. You know, our mission is much larger than providing you an entertaining podcast. Our country faces an ongoing crisis of underage youth battling alcohol and drug addiction and a rising suicide rate. This problem impacts all of us and our families. Our nonprofit, the Sold Out Youth Foundation, has been my passion since 2003, impacting hundreds of thousands of middle and high school students, challenging them to an alcohol and drug-free life while providing a life-changing, interactive online education platform, teaching students valuable life skills and success principles, equipping them to pursue their passion and dreams. I need your help. Our program is successful because of people just like you who financially support our movement. Please give safely and easily today by going to our website at soldouttv.com. That's soldouttv.com and click on the red donate button. Or right now on your cell phone, text sold out 20 to 484848. That's sold out 20 to 484848. All donations are 100% tax deductible. And believe me, any amount will help. Your generous gift can help one more child stay on the right path to health, wellness, and success. Thank you, and be sold out. Roman Gabriel show throwback with host Roman Gabriel. Roman goes up close and personal with high impact difference makers from the world of sports and entertainment. Get more exclusive content at romangabrielshow.com. Now back to the Roman Gabriel show. Coming in with me. He's one of the great defensive ends of all time. Seven-time Pro Bowler, five times first-team All-Pro, two times NFC Defensive Player of the Year, two times NFL Sack Leader, part of the 1970s All-Decade Team, Los Angeles Rams Pro Football Hall of Famer. Jack Youngblood is my Roman Gabriel Show throwback guest. He's considered one of the greatest defensive ends of all time. Guy Jack Youngblood, Jack, how you doing? Gabe, thank you, brother. Thank you. Just thanks for having me on the show. Boy, you played in a very famous Super Bowl, of course, in 1981 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. A little different for you, though, Jack, because you were around for a long time with the Rams, but uh, that game, of course, was down in Pasadena at home. That's right. That's right. You know, it's real strange. It's uh, it's tough for us old Los Angeles Rams to, uh, to to think about. There's not a franchise. You know, our franchise is gone now. It's in St. Louis and. And uh, you know there is there is not a franchise, a National Football League franchise in Los Angeles. No one could, would have convinced me that that would be would have been possible five or six years ago. Now there may not be the Los Angeles Rams anymore, Jack, but we've got an old friend. It's become the head coach again, a guy that you got to know as the special teams coach for the Rams back in 1969, and Dick Vermeil back after a long time off. How's he going to do? That's right. Dick, uh, Dick, Dick was um, was still in uh, to use a, an analogy. He was still in diapers as a, as a young coach <laughs> when I first met him. And uh, uh, Dick, you know, of course, is, uh, has established himself as one of the premier coaches in the in the National Football League. And what he what he did not only with uh, with the Rams as an assistant, but uh, also as a head coach over at um, in Philadelphia. So you know, I think Dick is. Uh, well, it will step into into St. Louis and reestablish some some fundamentals that have to be established in the game, and 
with that will make them competitive right off the bat. I think they have some talent there. Uh, I think they have a nucleus of talent. And uh, with Dick at the at the helm, I think uh, you know they've got a they've got a real good chance of winning some you know more ball games than they have in the past. Of course, we're talking to one of the great characters of the NFL as well. And I guess you learned it pretty well, Jack, from one of the best, Deacon Jones. Oh my goodness, <laughs> what a what a mentor to have. Uh, you know, I, when I when I first came in the league in 1971, you, I was drafted out of the University of Florida, and, I, and, I, and I'm getting on the plane, and, I'm, and I realize, my goodness, this may be a short trip to Los Angeles. I got to go play behind Deacon Jones and next to Merlin Olson. I mean, this may not be a long trip at all. I'll be back in, in Gainesville in a short period of time. But fortunately enough, uh, the good Lord smiled on me and gave me some ability to play, and and, and we stayed there 14 years. Now, those two guys had to be a lot of fun, though, because uh, they were guys that are perennial all-pros. Of course, Merlin Olsen, great on the inside. Deacon Jones with that quick outside move, the head slap. Talk about that uh, weapon. Well, that was um, that, that was something they allowed us to do the, back in uh, back, back in the old days. They they, they allowed us to tap the uh, offensive lineman on the side of the head. And it, it was nothing more than just a diversion. It was not designed, and 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 of course with the helmet and the face mask and and all that stuff on, it's not designed to hurt any anybody. But it uh, it's just if you get them to blink just once, then you can get around. Before they actually had sack totals recorded back then, you actually had somebody go back and look at your film. 150.5 sacks. You guys, boy, you had a handful back then, didn't you? Well, we really did, Gabe. And uh, uh, a gentleman came to me out of the clear blue by the name of John Turney. And uh, John was um, is a fan and, and happened to be a, uh, a big fan of the, of the Pearson Forsum and the Los Angeles Rams. And and um, he said, you know, I would like to go back. If you could help me get the play-by-plays and even some film, I'd love to go back and, and document some of these statistics that are not kept today. And so I said, sure, I'll help you as much as I can. I, you know, you, you don't know whether all that stuff will be there sometimes. Um, but he has gone back and, and looked at all the um, uh, the game film, done the, uh, the study and the play-by-plays, and it came up with a with a total and they're verifiable totals for Deacon. Deacon is Deacon's got what in the two hundred or something, and and I've got one hundred and fifty one, and and those were in the in, in the National Football League. And of course, they didn't keep the the recognized stat until nineteen eighty two. But uh, uh, you know that doesn't change the fact that those those plays actually happen and can be verified. And with today's technology, why not recognize them? You know, I was going to ask you, uh, back when you played, of course, offensive linemen couldn't use their hands uh, in the beginning of your career. And Deacon Jones ran wild. They were supposed to use their hands. (laughs) They got away with that. But but the thing I was going to ask you, though, is you and Deacon and and so many players had so much success with the sack back at that time. Did the calls as far as the change of rules to using the hands happen because of you guys? To a certain degree, and and, and to a certain degree, the whole gist of, of offensively minded uh, football, trying to keep the, the the offensive play ahead of the defensive play to a certain degree, and and, and that makes sense from a, from an overall general standpoint of uh, of what people are wanting to see on the field. You know, a, a dominating uh, a defense that smothers you know four out of five of, of the offensive opponents doesn't doesn't bode well for you know, for, for drawing people to the stands, really. I mean, maybe your your home team loves it, but uh, uh, 
you know, the, the visiting teams, you know, it doesn't really do a whole lot for that. So I think it might have been, you know, as part of that thought process of keeping the offense on the upper edge. Okay, now let, let's talk about uh, some of the great players that you had the opportunity to play with. I think the golden era of, of uh, professional football in the 60s and 70s, and, of course, you being one of the top defensive ends out there, probably have a good idea with the Pro Bowls you've been to about some of these guys. Give me your quick reflections on some of these players. Of course, you, you came in at the end of his career, but, uh, of course, maybe considered one of the greatest of all time, Deacon Jones. Deacon Jones, uh, of course, I had the opportunity to, to, to play with him for uh, for one year, and uh, and and... and Kind of, I, I used him. He was my mentor, and I was very, very fortunate enough that um, that that Deacon accepted me as a as a rookie and said, uh, you know, this kid may have a little talent, and let's let's bring him into the fold and and see if I can teach him and and give him some of the wisdom, some of the knowledge that uh, that that I've inherited and, and been fortunate to to uh, to to gain over the years that I've played. So, you know, I I, I look at, at Deacon as probably one of the premier of all time defensive ends in the league. Hey, Merlin Olson. Merlin, uh, Merlin, uh, a dear friend and, uh, and one of the, one of the finest human beings in the world. Uh, and, and of course he could play a little football too. On, on top of that, um, he was my anchor, you know, it, it, Merlin would play that inside and, and, and control that offensive and that defensive line. And, and, uh, he gives, gave, gave a kid, uh, starting out in, in a career, the opportunity to go and do and use his talents to the best of his ability. And, of course, there again, another mentor in, in the fact that he, Merlin taught us how to play the game. And uh, we, we were very fortunate to have the opportunity to play next to Merlin Olsen. You know, in your five NFC championship games, you saw the Minnesota Vikings a lot of times. Uh, this guy considered one of the greats, Alan Page. Alan Page. You know, Alan had, uh, had, had tremendous uh, ability to play to the game that he was playing in. And, uh, uh, of course, he's, he's um, gone on to become yeah, – Allen was uh, – he, he was a tremendous competitor, and uh, he always had a trick or two up his sleeve. He, he used that quickness and finesse uh, to, uh, to fool a lot of guards. Okay, another Texas guy, Bob Lilly. Bob Lilly, you know, another one that, uh, uh, you know, set the, set the parameters for how the game was to be played, uh, especially at uh, defensive tackle. You know, played tenaciously. You know, consistently all the time. Every time he went on the field with that star on his helmet, uh, you know, Bob Lilly came to play every day. Okay, now, Jack, two guys from today that probably would be your premier players on the defensive line that I know that you have some admiration for: Reggie White and Bruce Smith. Sure, those guys, uh, you know, and, and have a little envy for too, <laughs> from the standpoint of their size and quickness and speed. Uh, those guys have have the, the the total package, and they love to play the game. And of course, Reggie may be. He may be uh, uh, he, he may be the example of uh, of the of the eighties and nineties, especially the nineties, on, on how to play defensive line. So, Jack, tell me about uh, next year in Los Angeles. Um, I, there's so much buzz out there uh, about the Super Bowl coming. I mean, the last time a Super Bowl was played in Southern California, you know, you were in it with the Rams in Pasadena, but this will be the first time in Los Angeles that it's happened since I believe 67 with the Packers Super Bowl two. So uh, people are really pumped up out there about the Super Bowl coming to LA with the new stadium. And you just had the big trade with Matthew Stafford and, and, and uh, Goff. So uh, a lot of buzz out there. Yeah, yeah there is. Uh, and, and hopefully this, this move that they just recently made with the quarterbacks, it'll, uh, it'll, it'll work out, work out for the best. 
Tell me, uh, tell me about uh, your memories of that Pasadena Super Bowl against the Steelers because you had uh, broken your tibia, I believe, or fractured your tibia coming in, didn't know if you were going to be able to play, ended up playing in the game. But tell me about the Rose Bowl and about that game against the Steelers in your home turf. Yeah, that was uh, that. That was an experience <laughs> running around. Well, actually, I you know I, I broke it in the in the in the Tampa game, and then uh, or no, I'm sorry, in the Dallas game, and uh, it smacked, uh, snapped the uh, the fibula, and so you know it was it was kind of painful. <laughs> it was kind of painful that uh, you know I, I was I was still capable of, of you know playing in the game. But I felt like it was my it was my responsibility as captain to uh, to try to you know help us win that ball game and we we'd worked so hard for so many years to to get to this place because we'd been in the playoffs and uh, and so I, uh, I I tried to I tried to make it go. Was that the first time was, you'd ever you'd ever played in the Rose Bowl, Jack? Yeah, yeah. I'd been there, you know, a couple of times watching watching other other teams play, but but yeah, the first time we played there. So tell me about the mindset. You, you guys played, you know, obviously one of the greatest, you know, dynasties in NFL football, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they were kind of uh, at the end of their run, but still a, a, a dangerous dangerous team. Um, t- you guys did a heck of a job in that game for three and a half quarters of limiting their big plays, and it. Uh, really had an incredible chance to take that game. We really did, and they, uh, you know, t- Terry Terry chunked it up a couple of times just to, just to see who was going to, you know, how how they were going to play it. And um, we, it was it was seven it was nineteen seventeen, and we had we had kicked the ball to them. They were on they were inside the inside the twenty five, and. I was I'd come around the corner and I was I was a step away from Terry, and he threw the ball and I turned and looked, and Nolan Nolan Cromwell, our our uh, free safety at that time, uh, and one of the greatest athletes I've ever played with, and he stepped in front of uh, uh, Franco, and the ball hit him between the two and the nine, and I went and, and I turned and looked. And there was nobody except me and him out there, <laughs> and and that would have really turned the ball game around. It was uh, that was one of those moments that you uh, you wish you could you could change just a little bit of. Former Hall of Fame, the Hall of Famer, former Los Angeles Ram defensive end Jack Youngblood with us. And uh, Jack, the other thing I th- that I thought was interesting about that game is is you guys' quarterback position that year was was fluid. I mean. Pat Hayden was in there. What did what, who 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 was the first starter? Was it Harris or was it Namath at the beginning of the season? It was Harris. So it's yeah. Harris, and then then it was yeah. Hayden, and yeah. then Hayden got hurt. Uh, what what are your recollections of when Vince Ferragamo stepped in there about your expectations about the way he would play? I just told the kid. I said, I said, you know, crank it up. Just crank it up. Don't worry about what's you know. What if you, if you do something wrong, don't worry about it. You know, just just do your job. <clears throat> you know, when you look at Vinny, no, go ahead. Vinny went on and, and and had a good career. 
Uh, yeah. He was he was he was a good he was a good guy, good kid, good teammate. Uh, but yeah, he he was um, he was a little nervous. <laughs> put it uh, to, uh, to put the the uh, the idea on him. Did you did you feel like after that game, Jack, that was a, a big disappointment that you guys had a chance to win it and played good enough to win, or was it, hey, we played these guys really tough and you know things didn't go our way, or was it just or how? What were your feelings after the game? Well, you, you know, you you look back at that, and when, once you catch your breath and and, and settle down, and let your heart rates come down a little bit, uh, you 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 realize that they went and made plays that we didn't make. And that was the difference in the ballgame. And it was literally three three plays was the difference in that ballgame. So you've been back to Los Angeles a few times since they got back to L.A., I assume. And how important, Jack, do you think in terms of reuniting the, the Rams fans from your era – um, and having the Rams in the Coliseum for a few years, how do, how do you think that affected bringing together the new fan base and the Rams fan base from when you were there? Well, you know, it's, what, what, what's got to happen is that they've got, you know, they've got to come out and, and show their fans that they, they're important and that they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna do the best they possibly can every Every ball game, and I think they can do that. There's, there's no question in my mind they can do that. Final question, Jack. Um, so it currently, you know, where you're at in your life right now. You know, I think the last time we talked, you said that um, that you were um, dealing with some some uh, concussion stuff in terms of maybe some little things that were going on. Has that uh, gotten worse for you, or is that uh, better? Is that something that you're still dealing with? Okay, but <laughs> I tell people today that uh, you know my warranties wore out, <laughs> and, and and we're trying our best to you know to keep it on the road. Uh, and anybody who plays the ball game, you know, for fourteen years and I didn't miss a ball game, and uh, uh, you, you, you're going to have some issues around, and you just got to deal with them. You try. You got, you got to try to identify it and and offset it as much as you possibly can. The concussion thing, we we don't have a hand a handle on it right yet. Uh, and if you you know if you played this ball game like it's supposed to be played, you you're gonna you 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 can't get away from the physics that happens when when a a 250 pound guy runs into a 300 pound guy and they're both, they're both super strong. Right. Uh, there's going to be damage. <laughs> there's going to be damage there. It's going to, it's going to scar up the, the, the paint job. Jack, I tell you what, I, you know, every time we get together, I'm just, uh, you know, uh, blessed that you're still with us and doing great and, uh, uh nothing but the best to you. Um, definitely. I hope you're going to be in Los Angeles next year. Cause I think it's going to be a, Hopefully we'll get back to normal. It'll be a great celebration in L.A., and I know how much they love you out there. So uh, maybe some of your old friends and a lot of the Rams will celebrate next year, be in Los Angeles. So uh, appreciate you, as always, coming on the Roman Gabriel Show, and uh, I look forward to visiting with you soon, brother. Take care of yourself. 
Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Be safe, brother. Roman Gabriel Show. It's a Roman Gabriel Show throwback with host Roman Gabriel. Presented by the Sold Out Youth Foundation. Official website at www.soldouttv.com. Now, back to the Roman Gabriel Show. Hey, this is Nick Ruffini from Revoice Media, and I'm the executive producer of The Roman Gabriel Show. We got involved with this show because we realized that Roman has a passion for educating the next generation, and we need your help. We need you to be a donor and go to soldouttv.com and donate, whether it's one time or an ongoing basis. Please help us educate the next generation by becoming a donor. Go to soldouttv.com and click donate. And remember, you can help us at the Sold Out Youth Foundation by donating. Text Sold Out 20 to 484848. That's Sold Out 20 to 484848. And help us help your students to stay drug and alcohol free. It's a Roman Gabriel show throwback with host Roman Gabriel. Roman goes up close and personal with high-impact difference makers from the world of sports and entertainment. Get more exclusive content at RomanGabrielShow.com. Now, back to the Roman Gabriel Show. This is considered to be one of the greatest tight ends in NFL history. He finished his career as first in receptions and yards. Pro Football Hall of Famer, Kansas City Chief and Atlanta Falcon, Tony Gonzalez. I'm with Wanda, the greatest tight ends in NFL history and has a great career in broadcasting and does so many great things in the community. Uh, Tony Gonzalez. Tony, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. How about this? Huh? This is, this is fun. This Radio Row, the craziness of it. This is I love it. I love doing this stuff. I talked year. to somebody that means somebody yesterday to you, Dick Vermeil. Yeah. Had a conversation. What was Dick like to play for? Dick was great. A lot of, a lot of tears. A lot of tears. A lot of tears, yeah. Um, a lot of uh, the motivation. Uh, tough. Very old school. Like, I don't know. Dick couldn't coach nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Because he, he's too he's too ingrained in his ways. We we used to get after it in Is practice. Right? I'm talking full metal jacket. Jacket, yeah. Pads twice a day in the heat. Uh, all summer camp was just brutal. The game has changed so much since he coached. Uh, obviously a phenomenal coach, Hall of Fame type coach. Uh, love, love playing. But I still see him. He still sends me a bottle of wine. Yeah. We, we come in town. We go to lunch. Him and Carol. Uh, we, we, he's a special guy. But as long as you've been in the league, though, to have as many different kinds of coaches, it, it, it's interesting to me uh, some of the things that you learn from these different people, right, and how yeah. you apply them now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Dick was was very the thing that sticks out about Dick Vermeil is that he's very family and oriented. player oriented meaning it's not just about superstars he always had dinners with by position every year with with the guys and he invite all the guys over even if you're practice squad it doesn't matter if you're a starter uh whatever he treated everybody the same gave everybody hugs cared about all these guys but also tough love too if you're a stick in the mud he's gonna let you know and he's gonna get your get you, get your butt up out of there too <laughs> which is why you, it's what you got to do and i learned that like you got to love really hard but you got to discipline really right. hard 
and I think that's why he was uh, a pretty good coach. Yeah, I wanted to ask you this. I, I talked to a lot of guys that were playing that planned their career after, that took the advantage of the opportunities and the platform to prepare for after football. Yeah. And, you, and you were one of those guys that did a really good job of that. Um, I'm wondering if where you are right now was where you thought you would be before you got out and you were thinking about doing this. Before I got out, yeah. I, I, this is kind of where I wanted to go. Uh, and to me, I knew it. I was like, this, this is something I want to do. But when I was younger, I, I never, never. Even when I, uh, they asked me, I remember you talk about preparing to, to, for life after football. I remember Marcus Allen yeah. had a show called The Locker Room Show out in Kansas City. And when he retired and left, they asked me if I wanted to host it. Uh, and I was doing it just for fun, but I was, there was no way I was saying, hey, I'm going to go and broad. I'm doing it because I'm preparing for life. I just did it because it was something to do and have a, you know, get a kick out of on Wednesday nights. And they paid good money. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so I was like, this is what I want to do. Uh, but from that, it's kind of like opened everything up uh, to, to what I'm doing now. I've been doing this for 25 years. And one of the things that's been so gratifying as to seeing the maturation of guys when they first come into the league to if they do make it as long as you do, the, the way that their mindset changes in terms of oh. Their priorities, their family, and how those things affect uh, guys. Yeah. When people like yourself start telling me that, hey, you know, you got a shot to be a Hall of Famer, uh, I think at the beginning, no, I, I think that would be if a kid comes up to me and said, hey, I want to be just like you and he's in high school and I want to be a Hall of Fame football player. I say, hey, pump your brakes a little bit, buddy. <laughs> like, relax. Why don't you try to be an all star first? You know, and that's how I always approach. It. I just wanted to be good that year. I always every year that I had in the NFL after it finally clicked for me after my second year going to that third year, once it clicked for me and I started going to Pro Bowls, I was like, OK, every year I got to reevaluate where I'm at. OK. This year, I got to do what I did last year and improve on that. How am I going to improve? And you don't have to worry about the Hall of Fame. You just keep putting year in and year out. I think that's the hallmark of greatness is is consistency. And that's one thing I'm very proud of that I was able to do at my career is I was very consistent. Usually, you can count on me. I was going to get this amount of catches probably around whatever, 75 and 85. And that's going to get you to the Hall of Fame. And I knew I had a shot of getting in, so I had my whole family there. And those are the people that I wanted to celebrate with, the people that have been there from the beginning. You start to reflect on all the relationships uh, that you had and all the ups and downs and the wins and the losses. And and, uh, and the one cool thing about me is that I got these four kids. I told you about that. And my oldest one, he knew. He got to see me play. But the younger ones never got to see it. And so now I get to take them on this journey with me. They get to see all this. I mean, because this, this, this doesn't happen to me every day where I got cameras in my face like this. Uh, so it's, it's cool for them to be able to experience something like this. It's, it's been exceptional. That's probably the word I want to use, especially coming from, um, we, we just had that lunch, I don't even know, the, the Rainitsky luncheon, luncheon, where it's just players and they close the room off, and that was probably one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to tell you what went on in there, but to be able to sit there with all your heroes and... Uh, and see the guys that you grew up watching. I remember uh, what kept crossing in my mind was, I don't know if you guys remember back in the 80s, they had this tape called Crunch Course. It was just a, like a highlight. That, that's when I first fell in love with the NFL. And uh, all the guys that were on that highlight tape in the 80s, um, they, half of them were in that room. You know, guys like Howie Long, Larry Zonka. Uh, it, it, was, it was just surreal. Uh, Marv Levy was in there. It's Jim Kelly. It was, it was just it was just great uh, to be surrounded by your heroes. Uh, my family's out here. Everybody's enjoying their time. 
it's it's just uh, it's, it's like a wedding, <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, it's it's just like a wedding too. I mean, it's going it's going to be one of the best days uh, of my life. Uh, when you look back on your career today and you look at look at what football has given you, what what are some of the things that stick out in your mind? Oh, well, it's given me everything. I'm sitting here talking to you because of football. Yeah. Uh, from obviously, forget about the football. Let's throw yeah. that. Out. Everybody knows that that stuff. Um, uh, I think emotionally, uh, growing up and the the questions that you're forced to ask yourself, uh, and a lot of people don't they they ask themselves these questions, but they don't ever get the right answers. And I think that's the determines your success. You got to ask you at when those questions come up, you got to answer them honestly. You know how how good am I, or how how good can I be, or. Or how good of a father am I? How good of a role model am I? How, and if and if you answer those questions correctly, and you search out the right mentors to get those answers from, I read a lot. Uh, NFL got me reading. I never read before I got to the NFL. I was a kind of out of a necessity, uh, but I've been able to travel the world, been able to meet the amazing people. Uh, I get to see how to do it, how not to do it. I got to make great mistakes, uh, and I got to make great triumphs. It's just been it's been a fun fun ride, and I'm still continuing life after football. I'm doing that with acting now that yeah. this is like the next realm for me is what i'm trying to do who's your mentor tony when you came in the league a guy who kind of maybe put his arm around you and said hey you know that you really said this is how to do it right yeah you know uh i remember my rookie year and it wasn't a mentorship it was a one-time reaching out mm-hmm. by marcus allen oh, okay I, was, I hit the rookie wall i was playing pretty well and then all of a sudden i went blank for about three or four games, and then Marcus, uh, who hardly had time. I remember Marcus is a legend to me. I'm oh, from L.A. I grew up watching oh, Marcus yeah. Allen. Uh, and he says, hey, uh, let me get your number, Rook. And I'm like, okay. So he calls me up on the phone, and he's like, hey, I've noticed that you haven't been the guy that you were. And just want you to know that uh, I know what you're going through. I've been there. And, you know, you get back to being that guy. Get back to being that player that you can be. And it was very important to me. And, and it meant a lot. It meant a lot. He's one of them. Warren Moon is, a, is another big yeah. uh, influence. Super. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Final question. Who, in your, you obviously are around a lot of kids who probably talk to you about wanting to dream and wanting to reach goals in their life. Uh, I work with kids in junior highs and high schools in success program, a drug and alcohol education program, and many of them come from backgrounds where they made mistakes or their parents had nothing to do with them. Tell me about what you would tell kids today who want to be like you. You know, first of all, hard work, preparation uh, is where you create your luck. Uh, but I also believe in this, going through your fears. Life takes off on the other side of fear. So I tell a lot of people now, because I've seen that in my life. Meaning, if there's a girl you want to ask out, go ask her out. Meaning, if you, if you, uh, if you're afraid to 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 go across the middle, you got to go through it. Because the other side of that is a, an amazing feeling. If you're afraid to get up early, because of whatever reason, you're going to be tired. Go through it. Uh, go through that fear of whatever, whatever. Because I believe life success comes down to your relationship on how you go through your fears. So go on for it. Go for it. Go for it. And life takes off. I promise you. The stuff that makes you scared that you want to do is the stuff you have to do. But I know you got to get going. People are giving us other. But I also want to talk about avocados from Mexico, go. real quick. Uh, you, I, have right some, I have a gift for you right, right here. There, baby. Thank and this you. right here is a special guacamole. It's with peaches from Atlanta with barbecue spice rub from Kansas City. Kind of that Kansas City Atlanta. Uh, Connection there makes a great guacamole, avocados from Mexico, versatile. If my wife were here, she'd have taken that out of your hand. It ought to be eaten. Yeah, it's really good, Rome. I'm telling you right now. Thanks so much for listening to the Roman Gabriel Show. 
If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating and review on iTunes and be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And remember, you can help us at the Sold Out Youth Foundation by donating. Text Sold Out 20 to 484848. That's Sold Out 20 to 484848. And help us help your students to stay drug and alcohol free. The Roman Gabriel Show is produced in partnership with Revoice Media. Executive producers Roman Gabriel and Nick Ruffini. Audio editing by Justin Thomas. And graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music, entertainment, and sports podcasts, check out RevoiceMedia.com. Listen to the Roman Gabriel Show at RomanGabrielShow.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.